Hello and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 91. Today, I'm going to talk about Samhain. We're going to talk about uh, just a little bit about the history. I'm not going to go into a buttload of detail on that one. Uh, I figure if you really, really want to know, you can look that up. Um, I will go over what some correspondences like colors, candles, herbs, um, things like that that you can put on your altar to celebrate. I'm also going to talk about how to celebrate, um, what a dumb supper is. I'm going to incorporate stuff about how you can celebrate as a solitary practitioner um, in a group or also how to involve your littles. So if you have kids and you want to involve them in Samhain, I'm going to have uh, give you guys some ideas of how to incorporate them into the celebration and educate them while you're doing it. I'm going to say this right off the bat. My cats and my animals in general, my dogs, everything is going bananas in here. So if you hear like crazy barking, growling, hissing, it's something dropping. It's them. It's like they have, I don't know, like the cats are, you know, doing parkour off of my walls and furniture. The dogs are chasing them and barking and growling. It's it's just been a weird, it's been a weird morning in here. So if you hear a bunch of noises, I ain't even gonna try to edit all that out because it's gonna take forever. It just is what it is. So I apologize in advance for um, my uh, zoo that I've got going on here. So I thought we would start out with what is Samhain? Um, why do we care? Why do we celebrate it? That sort of thing. So uh, Samhain is a Celtic tradition. Um, it's a Celtic celebration. The Gaelic word for is Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. And it's usually celebrated somewhere between like the 30th, 31st to the 1st or 2nd of November. It is uh, the midway point-ish between um, uh, fall equinox and um, winter solstice. So it's also kind of like a a cross-quarters type thing. Anyway, it is a fire festival um, and it's a huge gratitude and uh, thankfulness type festival as well. So... Um, before we get into all the, the veil thinning stuff, we'll just talk a little bit about the history of it. So, um, in the long, long ago, <laughs> um, people would be done with their harvest. Imagine, like, this is going to be completely not historically correct, so just keep that in mind. This is, like, in my head. I think of, like, the time of Braveheart, and, you know, everything is centered. Stop it, guys. St- centered around... Um, you know, when you can get your food. (laughs) So when they harvest all of the, uh, the grains and stuff, the last harvest is Samhain. Oh my God. Do you hear that? Quit. Anywho. So the Druid, according to history.com, I'm just, I'm going to give you a couple different resources, but according to this one, there was some Druid priests and they would light a community fire with a giant will wheel. Wheel, will, Jesus, wheel. <laughs> I've had a lot of caffeine today again because I didn't sleep, so bear with me. Also, I'm gonna blame it on Mercury and retrograde. <laughs> anyway, this wheel would cause friction and spark flames, and it made this like centerpiece to their celebration, like this huge bonfire and like just like the town square. Imagine that, but I'm sure it wasn't fancy. Anywho. 
So this wheel was considered like a representation of the sun. So the sun gives life. The sun, this wheel gave flames, which gives life. Cattle, animals are sacrificed or were sacrificed during this time. And it was kind of, I like this part. Um, a lot of the participants would take like a torch thingy and from the communal bonfire, they would take that uh, fire, like light their torch, take it back to their home and relight like their fireplace, their hearth. Um, with that. So I thought it was kind of cool. It kind of ties in that everybody's connected and I really liked that part of it. <laughs> um, so some places say that it was a mandatory celebration and it lasted at least three days and three nights um, and everybody was required to be there and if you weren't then um, some of the punishment from the gods usually meant illness or death according to history.com. <laughs> I don't know how true that is. Um, so there was also kind of a military or government type connection too in Ireland with Samhain. The, it says the holiday thrones were prepared for commanders of soldiers. So it was kind of like a big deal. Anybody who committed a crime or bleh, used their weapons during Samhain was like, you could die. Like the death sentence, you could get your head whacked off because of it. So it was a really big and special time of the year where everybody just kind of put down their differences, partied, you know, like it's 1999, and uh, got ready for the rest of the, for this dark part of the year. Um, it was crazy. Like, imagine lots of alcohol, you know, bonfires, feasting, that sort of thing. Um, so that's what they celebrated back then was... Um, basically the end of the harvest season and ga they gave thanks like they very very were into giving thanks for what the earth has provided and that's something that we can also incorporate into our practice this time of year we can um give thanks for what we have harvested so think of like your work your paycheck you've harvested a paycheck every month um if you have a job if you have a garden you know you harvested your garden and you can give thanks for that one giant thing I think we all should be given thanks for is health this year. If you are listening to this and you are relatively healthy, um, that is a big, big giant gratitude uh, subject, I think, because of the shit show of a year with COVID and all the crazy shit happening. If you are healthy, um, give thanks for that. I sure as hell am going to. I really liked this part. I was reading about some of the like superstitions around Samhain and what they believed back then. So during this time of the year, Celtic people believed that the veil was very thin as we do now. Most of us, ha you know, you hear that all the time. Um, and I totally can see that in my own spiritual practice right now. The veil is very thin. So they would prepare offerings to keep the things that they were scared of away from them. And the things that they were scared of are um, fairies. <laughs> so some of the giant things, like the big things that they had going on was a very, very real, real respect and fear of, um, of fairies. So they would prepare offerings left outside the villages and in their fields and fields to appease these fairies so they don't come into their town. So during this time, they would dress up as like animals or different monsters so that fairies weren't tempted to kidnap them because they also thought or expect, 
expected that their ancestors might cross over this time as well. So I think that's kind of cool. Like they they were dressing up so I can see the parallel between, you know, those early traditions and modern Halloween here in the U.S. Um, some of the monsters that were listed as the Celts being specifically afraid of, besides fairies, were a shape-shifting creature called a puka. They would leave uh, offerings for this thing out in the field as well to keep it away. And also there was another thing that they were afraid of. It's called the Lady Gwyn, and she's a headless woman dressed in white who chases people that are running around at night after, you know, after dark. And she's accompanied by a black pig. Not really sure why that's significant, but it is. Um, another thing that I thought was cool, because horses, and because I love the um, the myth of the headless horseman. They said in uh, sometime they they're bleh. Jesus seriously, I should probably have not had the second pot of coffee. Okay, so. They said the Dullahan sometimes appeared as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads, and they had red, flame-eyed horses, <laughs> and their appearance was a death omen to anybody that saw them. So you didn't want to have to see this dude, or it was thought that you were just going to keel over at some point. And there were a group of hunters that were actually, like, official... And then there were the fairy host, and they were like a group of hunters that haunt Samhain and kidnap people. So there was a lot of, that kidnapping theme was a big deal for them. They thought the fae were going to come and do that, so I imagine that's why everything else, <laughs> they thought everything else was going to kidnap them as well. Um, so anyway, there's a whole lot of other stuff about Samhain. That's like the main, I just wanted to go over kind of, okay, this is what it is. So we're going to also talk about what a dumb supper is. And I do this in my own home uh, during Samhain as well. So this is one of the ways that you can um, celebrate. So basically you set a table and you, you, Give it, you set a table for like your um, ancestors, giving your families a chance to interact with spirits and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So I set like an empty, uh, like an empty seat and I put a whole like plate and glass and feed, you know, give them um, anything that I made that night. And that is my offering to my ancestors. And if you, I don't know if you heard that, but my dog just like totally attacked Pablo. He attacked the cat. Anyway, so you can set this place at the table and you can either leave it there or you can sit at the table with this empty seat and actually go through your dinner and interact with your ancestors. It's kind of whatever your flavor of this is. Um, and some of the traditions back in the long, long ago were that children would actually play games to entertain the dead while adults would kind of like give them a rundown of what happened, you know, this, this year. That was kind of cool. So they actually treat it as, like, way back in the day, they treated it as if their ancestors were literally sitting there. Kids would be, like, playing games and be like, look at me, look at me. And you'd be, like, telling, you know, Grandpa what happened this year while he wasn't here on Earth. I thought, I, I really like that. Um, and in, in the long, long ago, which don't ask me a time period because I, I don't want to look it up. <laughs> Anyway, in the long, long ago, they would also leave uh, doors and windows 
open for the dead to come in and out of their home and they would also leave like a, a cake um or something like that cakes uh biscuits things like that for the dead to consume um during that night so i thought that was kind of neat um because my house is a in a I'm like a chaotic weird state right now i don't know if i'm gonna have everything put back because all the painting and the flooring and stuff we're redoing so i will probably leave a little plate full of food and like um some because i don't have alcohol in the house but i can get some grape juice or something um get some juice out of the fridge and i'm gonna set them um up a plate at my altar for my ancestors so i'll have like my pictures pictures that i have of my um deceased loved ones and on my altar I just kind of move it over and for right now that's where it's at um and I will put a, a plate of food and that will be my dumb supper this year probably because I how I'll have everything set back up to where I can like have a proper dinner <laughs> and eat at the table um so that's probably what we're gonna do One of the correspondences for this of course are black and orange or black and yellow um I'm going to take some of the things out of the complete book of correspondences um it's by Sandra Kynes it's huge it's this giant orange reference book that I recommend to anybody it's kind of expensive I mean for me because I'm a cheap ass but it, it is it's kind of expensive but I love it I use it a lot and some of the things that they have for course correspondences for Samhain. So the solar system, they're saying it's um, a it's representing the moon. Um, it's an autumn season. Colors are black and orange. Trees. This is what I love about this book is because it tells me like the trees, the herbs, the gemstones, and everything. So you can go out and forage for these things. And I think that's neat. So um, apple tree, beech, blackthorn, locust, pomegranate, willow, witch hazel, and yew. So if you have any of those trees that grow locally, you can go out, grab some leaves, um, or branches or something, make some cool stuff about, out of, um, out of the stuff that you already have in your, um, in your area. You can also, uh, put on your altar or use incense, because I like to blend different herbs and use them as specific uh, instances for these celebrations. So some of the herbs are angelica, catnip, garlic, heather, mugwort, and sage. Um, also uh, patchouli, mullein, bittersweet, and allspice. I love all that. I think it'd make a really cool like take some of that and blend it into um, like grind it all up and make it some kind of powdered incense which I will probably be doing. <laughs> um, some of the gemstones. So think black and red or black and orange We've got carnelian obsidian and onyx those are all um that root chakra type um gemstones you can use those to protect yourself during this time of the year as well so carrying around obsidian and onyx might be a good idea if you are getting screwed with by <laughs> by the dead <laughs> might be a good idea um some of the goddesses associated with this particular um holiday are, I'm not going to name them all because there's a lot, uh, Durga, Hecate, Hel, Inanna, Ishtar, Kali, um, Rhiannon, and uh, Banba. I've never heard of that one. Um, some of the gods, um, Arawan, Belenus, uh, Coyote, and the Dagda, Hades, Loki, Odin, and Pluto. Uh, animals are bat, boar, cat, cattle, and dog. And on this night, besides just celebrating, you know, the intentions of, you know, 
Samhain. You can, some of the things that are good, you can do divination on your ancestors. Um, it's great for divination. So what I mean by that is if you, you know, draw, if you pull cards for yourself or others. So Oracle and Tarot is great to do that night. If you're a medium, you can connect with your loved ones really easy. Um, prophetic dreams. If you want to have prophetic dreams, you know, set that intention before you go to bed. Like, I want to tap into this Samhain energy and have some um, dreams that uh, are intuitive. And I know how you guys, I know how I say this all the time, but journal, journal, journal. You should have a dream journal. <laughs> it tells you a lot about yourself when you can um, write down your dreams. It's funny how many, how many prophetic dreams you actually have and you just don't know it because you're not remembering all of your dreams. So I don't remember all of them, but I sure try to write down or at least do a voice record of the ones that I do. Like when I do wake up, I like scribble down some shit that seemed um, relevant to me. So if you are a solitary practitioner, and I am, so some of the things that you could do uh, to celebrate sound by yourself, you can go for a nature walk if that's something that you're able to do. Um, if not, um, get outside, at least sit outside and smell the fall air and notice how different the sun is on our skin in the fall. Like obviously it's cooler, but it's also just different. Like the energy of the fall sun is something that's very special to me. So um, it's one way you can honor the celebration and also take in some of that solar energy. And if you're feeling a little blue because of the colder temperatures and things, it does help. It helps my mood anyway. Um, I love, if I can make it happen this year, I didn't get to last year, but a bonfire. So just to me, any kind of fire, <laughs> but, but if you could do a bonfire and just sit and watch all the flames, contemplate the year, um, you can silently give thanks, you can write down all of your blessings and toss it in the fire and release it into the universe as, you know, a release of gratitude, that sort of stuff, um, you can uh, pull cards for yourself, so do tarot, any kind of scrying is really, um, effective, uh, during this this particular celebration because the veil is super thin so it makes our intuitive abilities magnified because it's easier to to use them you can uh, make an altar that day just for your ancestors grab some photos if you don't have photos you don't need them just put things on the altar that remind you of of your relatives so if all of your relatives were from oh, I don't know, Germany, and they loved beer. Stick a Stein of beer on there and offer them a beer. <laughs> um, you can put stones on there, um, food, herbs. You can do whatever you want. You can print out pictures from the internet and um, place them on your altar that represent your, your ancestors. It's whatever. But a really cool thing to do, even if you're by yourself, is to make that altar. Kind of kind of giving a nod to your ancestors for, a you know, if without them, you wouldn't be there. So honoring them um, by yourself is, is, is a good practice. I do it and I, and I actually really look forward to that kind of connection with them each year. I do connect with them throughout the year, but Samhain's like their day for me. Anyway, <laughs> so um, that's something you can do to decorate you can decorate your fall altar or your you know regular altar 
um, with stuff that you find around Samhain. So go outside, find leaves, sticks, you can do craft stuff, you can do a pentacle, um, you can do like a five-pointed star using sticks you find outside, you know, tie them with cord and put that on your altar. And it's special because you pick those up on Samhain. Um, it represents that energy and you can stick it on your altar to represent um, this time of the year. Bring it out every year or keep it on it. It's kind of whatever you want to do. Um, I love to do like a huge gratitude uh, ceremony for myself. Like I write down all the things I can think of that I am thankful for. Anything from like I love that I have floofy, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Fuzzy socks. <laughs> I will, I will thank everything from my fuzzy socks to um, a steady paycheck, the roof overhead, everything in between. I will take some good amount of time on Samhain and really think about what I'm thankful for and thank the universe, whatever deities I've petitioned throughout the year, my ancestors, my guides for their support, everything, um, and, and actual people too. You know, I will thank um on my list I'm like I'm thankful for my friends I'm thankful for my coven I'm thankful for you know even though my dad and I don't get agree very often on many things I'm thankful for him um so that kind of thing I'm going to make a huge list uh I write it in my journal and I just sit with it and really contemplate the year and how much good has come even if it has been a shitty year as far as ritual goes, it's kind of whatever is your flair of witchcraft. You don't have to have any kind of like formal ritual for the night. But if you do, I'm going to link a um, Samhain um, solitary practitioner ritual that's in the, is on the Patheos uh, blog site. Um, it's just called Samhain uh, a solitary ritual. And I know some people are having problems finding the show notes. I do my podcast on podbean.com. And so when I do the show notes, they're in there. So I don't know what that that means for other sites. I probably should go on and look and make sure. But if you click on the episode, there should be some kind of description box, no matter what uh, platform that you're listening on. And that's where the show notes are. I will also be posting this in the Witchy Woman Friends group on um Facebook so that if you're in that group uh, it'll the ritual will be there it's a solitary one and if you're not a part of that group go ahead and go on Facebook and join because we do a lot of fun stuff it's a free closed group so um, no one's gonna see what you post in there if you're not um, out of the closet Ah, broom closet that is of course if you have a coven you can totally do big rituals Um, you could do divination in a group which is really powerful also something just as simple as getting together and having a meal that everybody chips in to prepare is really special so if you have a group of friends that are witchy minded and you want to kind of just celebrate having them and having the support from your coven have a a beautiful meal together maybe do some um Thanksgiving type activities where you go around the room, say what you're thankful for. Um, and then you can also do a release uh, on Samhain because it does happen to fall on the on the full moon. Uh, Halloween does anyway. But the 31st is a, is a full moon. So you can do releases that day. So you can also do, I want to release whatever bad habits or limiting beliefs, whatever that is. And you can do some rituals to release what no longer serves you on Samhain, which would be pretty powerful. 
Okay, so say you have you have littles, you have children, and you want them to be a part of your Samhain tradition. So I always like to say, please, if you can, involve them, involve them in your altar. So that teaches, like if you're going to teach it, like you're going to teach anything else, like the ABCs or your colors or anything like that, you know, you could teach them. Okay, Samhain is uh, for you know, all of our deceased relatives, it helps them deal with um, concepts of death if they're old enough. Um, you can also teach them the colors, the correspondences, things like that. And then allow them to help decorate it. Go outside and let them pick like their favorite leaves that they find colorful or unique and let them put that in like an altar bowl or something like that. I think getting them involved in a gratitude practice is a really great activity for Samhain for little kids. Make gratitude fun by letting them cut out different fall shapes like leaves um, since the it's kind of like the last of the sun or the fire ones. Maybe cut out a flame shaped piece of paper, whatever you feel called to do. But um, have them write down things they're thankful for on those pieces of paper and then let them put it um, on the on the family Samhain altar. If you do have a garden and you are doing a, a literal last harvest, involve them in it. Show them what it takes to make the food go from, you know, a seed in the earth and, and you pick it because it's grown and you've, you've cultivated it. And then use that food that you picked in whatever meal that you're going to have because it helps make that connection between your hard work and cultivation of these beautiful plants to being able to eat that stuff and having it nourish your body. It's a really simple exercise, but super effective. They can learn, you know, how the whole cycle of life goes. You can also have them do uh, the dumb supper. Have them set the table for your ancestors. Let them choose what to put on the plates. Maybe if they would like to write a little note to your ancestors, they could totally do that. But all these little things teach them, one, not to be afraid of the afterlife. It also teaches them your traditions, whatever that may be, and it gets them involved in um, in the time of the year. So even if they end up not wanting to be witchy or pagan or whatever, they still have that connection and, and teaching behind learning what each turn of the wheel brings humanity. Doesn't matter if we believe in Christianity or, or we're pagan witches or you're an atheist. The wheel turns and the seasons change and each season brings us different things and it's also I believe that's a really good thing to instill into kids I think that that uh, connection to the earth is never a bad thing I want to talk a little bit now about protecting yourself during this time of year the veil is super thin the power of intuition is super super heightened and it's never a bad idea to have some kind of protection measures into place especially if you are going to do any kind of divination work spell work, ritual, whatever. So things you can do to protect yourself on Samhain, wear crystals that have protective uh, qualities. So black stones, uh, tourmaline, onyx, jet. I love smoky quartz. I'm always going to plug that. <laughs> um, uh, labradorite also has amazing protective abilities. So whatever resonates with you though. So you can wear crystals to protect yourself energetically. You can also use oil blends. Uh, I think you can, I think on like Amazon, you can get some pretty cheap oils, like some prairie sage oil, 
that sort of thing. I love to use rosemary and lavender actually for protection. I think it's a great simple blend. Um, so I diffuse that during the day to clean the air, but it also helps raise the vibe, clean out any shitty negative um, energy you've got going on. So you can use oils. My favorite thing right now are little spell bags. So you can take any kind of bag, whatever. I love to use those little organza bags that I get jewelry in. So like if you've gone on Etsy and you get jewelry or stones, a lot of times they'll come in these cute little organza bags. So you can fill those with things that you find protective. So if you have um, herbs that you particularly find are protective for you, you can put those in there. You can put stones. You can put whatever you want. If a cross is something that's protective for you and you don't want to wear it on your neck, you can stick it in this little bag. And then hold the bag. Really, really put all your intention into that bag and... Um, that's what means the most to it is all the energy that you're going to basically stick into that bag to protect yourself. And you can put that in your pocket, under your pillow, in your bedroom, in your car. It's wherever. You can stick it in your bra if you make them small enough. Um, uh, don't pick pokey stones for that if you're going to put them in your bra. Um, so I love spell bags. I think it's a great idea. I like to charge mine charge mine that sounds weird but I make them and then I put them on my altar and I let them sit I guess on my altar I will put like candles that I have as like intention or blessing candles I suppose and I will sit with my little spell bags on my altar and that's part of my ritual is basically setting the intention in my ritual space that, you know, this bag represents the protection that my my spirit guides, my angels, the deities, whatever is going to have um, for me. So you can do that. You can also bubble up. I, re I recommend that to anybody just on a daily basis, but definitely during uh, times when the veil is pretty thin, it's nice to bubble up and keep your energy yours and theirs theirs. It kind of gives you a little bit of space uh so they're not intruding in your energetic you know body as well like I don't want spirits that close to me so bubble up you can bubble up yourself you can do your room you can do your entire house if that's what you want to do and speaking of houses you can grid your house you can take in the four corners of your home you can put crystals and herbs those little spell bags for each corner of your house work amazing if you have cats they will take them so either nail them down or put them up high so they can't get them i like to stick them on little nail like little hooks or whatever in the four corners of my house if the cats keep screwing with them um, you can also put that stuff over your uh, doors. Cinnamon brooms traditionally are used to bring protection and bring in um, uh, prosperity to, to your home. So you can stick a broom over the top of your front door and you can spell that for protection as well. So kind of do the same thing with that broom you did with the spell bags on your altar and kind of bless that thing to protect your protect your house. Um, I like to draw sigils and runes as well. So you can go around your house. Like I showed this, I think, in one of my Instagram videos. I can't remember. But if you have a white home, grab some white chalk. If you don't have a color of house that you can match chalk to, then go get a bowl of water, some salt, put some oils in there that you find protective. and uh, Or just somebody once suggested to me just oil or... Hmm, 
water, lemon juice, and salt. And you're gonna dip your finger in this uh, liquid and you can draw sigils and runes of protection all around the outside of your house. Um, if you have chalk, then you can write it in chalk. You can do this on your doorways, the outside of the house, the inside of the house. You can do this wherever you want. You can do it on your body. I like to often take some of my, I have like a perfume blend that I made out of some oils and I'll take my perfume and roll a little bit on my finger and then draw uh, on my forehead, like where my third eye is. I love to put things there on my third eye and over my heart space. So those are just little things that you can do to help protect yourself. And this isn't to like scare you like, oh my gosh, it's a scary time of year. It's just that sometimes you feel like you need a little extra protection and if that's what you want, then do it. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about if you're in the broom closet and you still want to celebrate Samhain. So the low key things you can do are wear lockets with your ancestors' pictures inside or just names written on a piece of paper. You can stick that in your pocket as like just a reminder that to your ancestors that, hey, I am acknowledging you. Um, that kind of thing. You can write a letter to your ancestors thanking them for all they've done so that you can be here today and you know put that under your pillow at night or on Samhain night just to kind of invite them into your space and give thanks. Those are things you can do low-key and not have to show anybody what you're doing. You can wear the colors of Samhain pretty easily because it's also Halloween here in the U.S. and no one's going to say a word because <laughs> you're going to be you can dress in black, orange, and no one's gonna know, right? Because that's the color of Halloween. Other things that you can do are make a special meal. Nobody's gonna say anything weird to you if you're like, you know what, I wanna have something special tonight and involve those things that your ancestors may have liked. So if you are of German descent, look up some German dishes and cook that. If you're Irish, cook Irish, whatever it is for you. But having that meal and just the intention that this is honoring my ancestors on Samhain is a really great thing to do even if you're not in the broom closet. Um, but it also is something that you can do and no one's going to say a word about it. They're just going to be like, sweet, we get a good meal tonight. <laughs> Another thing you can do if you're not out of the broom closet yet is just go meditate. Um, there are some beautiful meditations of um, honoring ancestors that you can find on YouTube. Just sit there with some um, nice relaxing music, meditate, give thanks to them. And if you live with somebody or sleep in the same bed with somebody, they're not going to say a word if you they go to sleep and you're just laying there um, with your earbuds in meditating. Like that's something that you can do um, kind of on the down low and they're not gonna know. It's gonna be like, what, I'm meditating. I can't sleep, so I popped in my earbuds. Other things you can do is burn incense, especially if that's a normal thing you do. You can burn some incense specifically to honor Samhain. You can wear essential oil blends. You can do everything astrally. And what I mean by that is you don't have to do everything on this plane. So if you want to have this beautiful Samhain celebration and you need to do it in secret because you are not out of the broom closet, you can do like a meditation and build this huge ceremony basically in your imagination in um, in that setting. And you can do whatever you want then there and no one ever is going to find out. It's just you. So there's just a couple of the different things that you can do um, to celebrate Samhain, whether you're solitary or out of the broom closet or in a coven or you have littles. I hope that... Um, some of that information is useful for you. 
Um, so let's talk about the spooky story that I have lined up. So this one happens to be my own spooky story that I wanted to share with you guys. So back on my family ranch, there are two homes, the, like the main house, and then there's another one that's like, I don't know, two football fields maybe away, and it is what used to be what would house like any kind of um, hired help or, or workers or whatever. So like if we had a man that was, or a family usually, that was helping um work the ranch, then they would stay down there. Um, anywho, so nobody's been in that house for quite some time. And when I came back, so I went to college for a little bit and I came back and I wanted to work for my dad on the ranch. He needed some help. So I moved into that house. We call it the tenant house. So I moved down there and it was pretty awesome to like have my own house on the ranch. You know what I mean? It was just like, I grew up there always living in the the family home and then being able to like have my own space there was pretty sweet. So I was working there. I don't know. How old was I? Uh, I was probably like 21 maybe. So I was staying in that home by myself and there's two stories. It is like the original house that was built there when they homesteaded our place in uh, 1912. So there was a small house built while they built this one, and so it's very, very old. Anyway, so I started to stay down there. Not a big deal. Kind of weird because it's alone. I'm alone, <laughs> and it's really quiet, and I had moved from, like, a city situation to back to the ranch. So it's weird anyway because everything's loud, or it seems loud when you are living in the city, and then when you move back to the ranch, it's, like, dead quiet. It's kind of eerie. So the first couple of nights, it was weird, and then I kind of – kind of settled into being by myself in that house. I started to hear weird things upstairs and I just kept thinking to myself, Ugh, it's it's my mind playing tricks on me because it's an old house, I'm by myself, it's really quiet and weird. But I kept hearing weird, weird things. And then it kind of escalated to where I would turn off all the lights because I've always been raised, shut off the damn lights. If you're going to leave a room, shut the lights off. It's a waste of electricity. Electricity costs money. So I'm pretty mindful of doing that. So I would leave my house, shut off all the lights to go do work in the morning, and I would come in for lunch, and the lights would be on. Like, that's really fucking weird. Or just a random light. Like, my bedroom light would be on. And I kept thinking to myself, am I forgetting? Because that's really weird. I'm very, um, always been very neurotically um, obsessed with shutting off lights when I leave the room. Still am. <laughs> anyway, little things started out like that. And, you know, I paid attention to it. But at the same time, I was pretty young. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm obviously forgetting. So this went on for a while where the lights would come on. And then it started happening when I would sleep. So I'd be laying in bed. And I would wake up to go to the bathroom. And the light would already be on in the kitchen. I'm like did I leave the kitchen light on? Because that's really weird. Like, I would not do that. But okay, maybe I did. So I would go to the bathroom, go back to bed, whatever. And I'd wake up in the morning and there'd be another light on. So that started to kind of concern me. I'm like, well, this is weird. Is somebody, like, my first thought was, is somebody breaking into my house at night? Is somebody actually coming in here? Is somebody fucking with me? That was my, like, the real thing. I was like, somebody's messing with me. Like, my dad's screwing with me. I got a friend that's fucking with me at night for some reason. Like, I don't know why they would drive all the way out to the ranch to do that, but whatever. I even look for tracks outside my house because we have a dirt, it's all dirt driveways and stuff. So I was like, 
let me see if I can see some tire tracks I don't recognize. No, there's nothing. Um, and then I was there for probably, I don't know, two or three months. And I started hearing like footsteps upstairs. And it's a very old house. So like the stairs going up were uber cre- creaky. Like you'd step on them and it's like. Rrr. So in the middle of the night, I started hearing that kind of stuff. Like that creaky sound going up the stairs and it was just it's super creepy and scary to be laying in your bed and hear that creak, creak going upstairs. And there was a door. So from the living room to get upstairs, there was a door that had to be opened in order to get to the stairs. Cause I, so I was like, if nobody opened the door, how the hell is that sound? Like, there's no way this is real. That has to be my mind making it up. So that stuff kind of escalated to the point where I was hearing things move across the floor upstairs. And, you know, I don't know if it was because I was young and and didn't really, th- I was like, this can't be real. This cannot be real. You know, at this point in my life, I had taken a break from like my spiritual life and pretty much was like, nothing's real. And I don't know. I I was in a weird place spiritually. So I was like, no, this isn't real. It's whatever. And I'd taken a break from, from witchcraft and everything. Like I was like, I'm, I'm an atheist for a bit, whatever. So that actually, everything escalated up in the point, up to the point where I left. I actually joined the Navy like that spring and I left. And so a lot of things happened while I was you know, in the Navy and whatever, but I came back to visit <laughs> one year. My dad um, had this party at the place with music and a band, and we wanted he wanted to celebrate, like, the end of the summer or something. So I, I flew back home uh, to go to this thing, and... Sorry, my dog just barked. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I flew back from California, back home to Nebraska, to the ranch, and I was helping my dad put on this thing and just really enjoying myself. And we needed to drive down to from from the place where we were having the party, which was inside this huge, like, metal building barn thing. So it's a barn or indoor arena is what it really is called. But anyway, so there was drinking involved. Everybody was. We were drinking and having a great time and dancing. And some friends and I... Some, we're like, and my sister, we're like, hey, we should go down and check out the, we call it the yellow house because it's, that's what we call it now. But anyway, the tent house, because everybody knows, everybody's had a weird experience in that home. We, you've either seen something funny or heard it and you're like, oh, that's creepy as fuck. So anyway, so it's dark as shit outside. So what do, what, what do we want to do? Let's go check out the haunted house while we're a little bit tipsy. And why a little bit? We were quite a bit tipsy. But anyway, so all of us pile into this like off-road thing it's called a side by side so think like four wheeler but with seats for everybody so we all piled up in this thing and we drive down from the indoor arena to this house which is i don't know two and a half three football fields away so we drive down there and it's dark as shit (laughs) so dark and we get down there and we're parked in front of the house in the front of the house you can see like the front door, which is basically like a porch that I think they probably enclosed at some point. And then the upstairs is an addition. Um, they, I think they just built right on top of it. But anyway, so there's a window to the upstairs that you can see and then the front door. 
So we drive up. It's dark as shit. Um, really, all we can see is with the headlights of our 4x4, which when we pulled up, they're just shining against the door of this house, which is stucco. It's really old. At that time, it was actually painted white-ish. Old, white, like crumbling off type stucco. So we, we drove up. We saw that because for some reason, also, the door... I forgot to mention that. So the front door, it doesn't matter what you do to the front door, it always opens. So you could like put rocks and logs in front of it. And for some reason, it would always be open. So the first thing whenever I would go down there is like make sure that front door is still shut because when it's open, it's creepy as hell. So the front door is actually shut and we're like, cool, then it's not a big deal. And then we were kind of joking around arguing, you know, we were drinking and we're like, you should go upstairs. I dare you to go upstairs. Like everybody was daring each other to go in the house by themselves and walk up the stairs and look out that window. So that was happening. We're all joking. And then all of a sudden, like, this is so, so all of a sudden we all stopped because we saw the same thing the light at the top in that in the top of the house so the the second floor light had come on and you could see like a shadow in the window so we were all outside there's nobody in the house like nobody in there everybody was at this party having a good time and we were actually in an area that we you know made sure nobody it was kind of it was an off limits area for like party goers and so we were like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, for one, there was rocks in front of the door. So you couldn't have gone inside the house and put the rocks back without opening the door again. So there was nobody in the house. It was dark as shit. And then that light came on. It was so crazy. We all just stopped for a second and just stared at it. And they were all like, okay, we're done. Let's get the fuck out of here. And we piled in the side by side and got the hell out of there. So it was the craziest thing. It's one thing to like experience it by yourself, but then a whole bunch of people experienced it at the same time. It really freaked, freaked us the hell out. And we actually were worried like, okay, maybe somebody's fucking with us. Maybe somebody's down there. We ended up going down and making sure after we got done being freaked out um we went down there to see if anybody was actually in it if there are any tracks that people walked because you could easily see in the sand we live in the sand hills it's dirt everything leaves a track and there was no tracks coming in and out there was no foot traffic in and out tracks so it was just uh, really scary to see that happen um in front of everybody else so since then uh nobody's lived in there we actually tried remodeling it and it's weird weird things happen in that house and it's creepy and we just kind of called it a like nobody does anything in there anymore sometimes we go in there to put like things in there for storage but for the most part it's just an abandoned house now because one we don't need we don't dad doesn't have any um hired hands ranch hands anymore so that's why and also even like the hunters that used to come up and stay there they won't stay in it anymore um so that's weird <laughs> so that's that's one of my um scary stories about the ranch that I don't think I've I've told anybody yet but since uh all that happened I did do a little bit of research and found that a little boy has died in the vicinity of that that home and then there is a couple that was cremated and spread their ashes were spread near the home so 
definitely reasons for it to be haunted or be visited often by uh, by spirits and things. But it's just a creepy place. I know if you guys have been listening very long, you've, you know how creepy that place is and how bad it gets for me uh, with time. But that's one of the stories I haven't told, so I thought I thought I would tell it. <laughs> okay, so that's that's all I have for you guys today. I hope that you found it entertaining and that you got some information about Samhain that you didn't know before. Um, if you have any questions, you can always um, always uh, get a hold of me on social media, PM me, DM me, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email me witchywomanpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I know I need to catch up on emails on that account. I kind of slacked checking those. I got busy and distracted. It really is hard for me to focus right now because to me, this is the time where I focus on myself the most. So for me, from now until like spring (laughs) is my hibernation mode. I read a lot. I keep to myself. So anyway, I'm sorry if I have not checked my emails like I should. I will for sure be checking those this week. Uh, if you are a Citrine member and you signed up, uh, before the 1st of October, you are due a reading by me. So you get a 15 minute one every month if you're a Citrine member, and then you get a 30 minute one every quarter. So you have 45 minutes that you can get from me this month. Um, we only have 10, 11 days left in this month. So if you have not scheduled yours, get on, um, Patreon and check the link. Check all the messages and posts and the link is in there for you to schedule your your reading this month. It is for Citrine members only. That's one of you guys's perks that I'm giving you. So uh, get that done because it's a use it or lose it type thing. Uh, the time starts over every first of the month. I thank you all that have scheduled and let me read for you. It has been so fun doing um, card readings and mediumship readings for you guys. I have had like the best month. I love doing these. So thank you very, very much for letting me. Okay. I think that's all. Ooh, I have a guest coming on to share some spooky stories next week. I'm super excited. I'm not going to say who it is yet because I want it to be a surprise, but I've got somebody coming on to share, um, some spooky stories and experiences and have a lot of fun. So anywho, I guess that's all I got. So until next time, Stay witchy. Bye-bye.